Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Jenna. Yeah, he just tied in. And Raja Bell. Bell has got three fingers. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What is going on? Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Raja Bell. We here today on Wednesday. World Cup is in full effect. Like yes. right now, it's three games a day. A lot of gambling action on that. How are you oh, doing? Uh, you know, so, so. You picked one live the other day. I what did. was it? Okay. Uh, I, what was Debo was giving me stuff. Yeah. Like Debo, I have, and I have not had good success South together. Korea, Sweden, was it? Uh, split. Split. All right. Yeah. Okay. So we're doing all right. Um, I want, I do want to, I want to talk about that a little bit real quick. All right. Because I've tried to get more into it. I've put a little bit of action on there to try to draw myself in. Right. Get into the spirit of the world sport. Right. So I'm watching the other day, throwing a game and within five minutes, I'm like, oh, I remember why soccer annoys me. <laughs> it's the flopping and the reaction after the it's, flop. Like, I yeah. get flopping as a thing, and I criticize in the NBA. Like, I think they should do everything they can to not have it. The NBA finds players for doing it. And in soccer— Not really, though. Right, right, not really. But in soccer, it's not so much the flopping. It's the anguish and the severity of the flop that's just over the top. Like, it's, right. it's really annoying when you watch it. You're wasting valuable, like, time you can be playing. Yes. Um, and it's it's ridiculous. I'm I'm— like flopping is one thing, but completely like fabricating the fact that you got knocked down just because there's a defender between you and the goal. You know you're not gonna get a shot off, and you're just gonna dive, yeah, and then ride around in pain. Like I'm off of that too, yes. and it's always bothered me. But I feel like it's a little bit more over the top. This World Cup, I was thinking the same thing. I said it to my wife watching the game. Like it's it's getting a little ridiculous. Yes. Where you know it's just it bothers you. What you're bothers right. me is I said something about it on Twitter, and soccer fans are so sensitive about their sport. They're, they're, like you can't criticize the sport. They're like, well, what they do it all the time in the NBA? I'm no, like, they don't. Not like that. No, they really like don't. They don't. It's two different animals. And I, I would challenge. I'm a. I'm a fan of soccer. I'm a friend to the soccer community. Right. That's some bullish. Right. Like nobody in the NBA does what these guys do on the soccer field. I've also played soccer a bit like in men's leagues and rec leagues. There are times where you might get stepped on with a cleat. Like that hurts. Yes. You know, like it yeah, really absolutely. hurts. You might not be able to see it. But then there are those other times where like they got it on the replay. He didn't get touched and he's down rolling around in pain for five minutes. It's right. ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it's ruining the flow of the game. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if it gets any better. I don't think so though. And hopefully my, uh, gambling luck will turn around here pretty soon. We have a, uh, a pack show for you. Reed Forgrave is going to come up later. He's a CBS sports writer. He's going to help us break down the NBA draft. We're going to do a little bit more on the World Cup and I cannot wait to discuss the shoe game. Yeah. Cause there's some major players coming in. One being Jay-Z. Signing on with Puma. You called that a little bit. Guys. I tried. You that, when yeah. Trey Young was mentioned, you were like, yeah. nobody's signing with that garbage. All of a sudden, they're, <laughs> they're going to try to bring it back and make it cool again, right. just like Adidas did with Kanye West. So we're going to break that down a little bit. But first, I want to do a little NBA draft ourselves because right. it's coming up Thursday. It's You can uh, catch all of our coverage right here on CBS Sports HQ. It's Thursday night. Uh, you're going to be on that coverage, breaking down every pick as it goes on. Um, do you like? Do you feel like, does the NBA draft... Like we're we're gonna do move the needle a little bit. Like, right. do you get excited for the NBA draft? Because I don't feel like it has the same uh energy or a coverage that the NFL draft is. And I just I don't want. I wonder why that is. I guess because you don't I, see a ton of rookies come in immediately and make an impact, unless it's a guy like LeBron or a Ben Simmons. Yeah, maybe that guy's not there. But it just doesn't feel like it's as big a deal. And there aren't as many rounds. Like, there's a lot of reasons. Right. No, I think I, I'm excited for the NBA draft. I, I always was. You know, because I was more obviously basketball than football. So I think it kind of depends on what you like what you have a, like a an ear bent to more more often. Like you you're a football guy. So right. the football but for people who who are into the NBA like that and live it and breathe it, it's a pretty big deal. And I'm I'm into it. I mean obviously as I get older, um I've got more recreational things I can get into. I'm not just living and breathing basketball all the time. Right. But I still tune in and I'm excited to see uh you know what this what storylines play out in this draft. Admittedly, I don't think it's like a loaded, loaded draft. I think there's some good players there. I don't think it's got that top end Ben Simmons type of player or Jason Tatum or you know, LeBron, if you will. But I think there's some good players out there. All right. Uh, so most people think DeAndre Ayton is going to be the number one pick by the uh, Phoenix Suns. It's the Suns, Kings, Hawks have the first three picks. Right. Is he your, like, is it a lock? Is it a done deal? Is it a wrap uh, that DeAndre Ayton is the first no. pick? No. And should he be? Um, for me, no. Uh, but I think he is a lock. I think the Suns will take him. Uh, I, to some degree out of fear. I mean, I think you've got everyone yelling that that's the pick you got to take. He's right there in your backyard in right. Arizona. He played high school ball in Phoenix. 
Um, he's got all the measurables. He's long. Um, look at you could face up, jab step. You know, those are things that big seven foot dudes, you know, in today's NBA, like that's just gold. So I, I think that it, they're going to be pressured. Even if they love him, there's still a little bit of outside pressure to take him. They don't want to miss on that. So right. for them, he'll be the pick. But for me, it, it speaks to what I just said to you. Like, I don't know which one. None of these guys really are like, God, dog, I got to have right. You know what I mean? And so shoulders above the right, rest. Where correct. It looks like a lock, a generational type player. And it's really getting tougher because uh, tougher because because you can draft a guy after a one and done. They're much younger, so a lot of times you're dra- just drafting sheer potential. Sure potential. You have no idea what direction this guy's going to go. But when you're as physically gifted, when you're as tall and you're as athletic as some of these guys are, then you say, "All right, it's a lock." I think it's curious or it's interesting that you've got a team like Phoenix, who the guy is down your street. Like, do you think they actually say? Oh, this guy can help ticket sales or this guy can help us. Yeah. They have to block that out though, don't they? Cause they, they've got to believe, you know what? Even though we played here, even though we like all that about him, he is significantly better well, than the next option. I think what you do is you make your case purely based on the basketball side, right? Like the measurables, um, what do you, the workouts that you watched, um, you know, what, what need you have for your team. But then I do think that they probably take into account once that decision's made based purely off of your basketball. Then, but I think those other th- factors come into play because, you know, when you're in a front office and you're sitting there, you're not just judging a guy based on, you know, his ability on the court. There's a lot of deep dives going on into his personal life, into his family history, into the baggage that he's going to bring. Whether he's got five or six guys that roll with him, and one of them is known to be, you know, associate of this and that. Like those right. are all things that go into making the decisions into like his background and where he comes from. And so, I think that once you get past the basketball, if you're factoring in all those different things, you probably factor in the fact that he's local. Um, he play, he's going to be playing at home. That could help boost ticket sales, but that's not going to be the meat and potatoes of why you, you draft a guy. That's going to be the basketball side of it. What you were, when you were evaluating talent, when you were with Cleveland, what did you look for? Like what, and what, like, cause I always think there's a percentage of what should you take into consideration when yep. you're doing this in the NFL draft? Like I always think in the NFL is you throw on the film, like watch the games, watch a kid play. But as yours, it's a lot of times he's either playing against high school kids or just one year of college. How much are you putting emphasis on what you've seen from a guy on the court versus how much you see in his personal workout versus how much you, when you get him in, bring him into your city and you get to spend time with him? Like what would be the most impactful for you? For me, it was watching the games. It was watching the film. In, um, is it harder to do it on, on film or would you rather see him in person? Well, like, so the year, like the kid Mario Hazonia, mm-hmm. um, was in the draft the year, uh, I was with the Cavs. And I like Mario a lot, but I didn't get to see him in person because he was playing over in the Euro League and right. I was basically with our team everywhere we went. Um, so I had to do a lot of the research just on film and, 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 and just trying to go back and do my homework on who he was. Um, and then there were situations like I went out to see a kid named JP Tokato from, uh, from North Carolina. It was at the ACC tournament and I was there to see him. And while I was there to see him, um, it was easier for me to get a feel live because I, I, I saw Malcolm Brogdon and, you know, Malcolm Brogdon obviously doing great things with Milwaukee now, but he jumped off the page at me. Just his competitive spirit, the way that he took the challenge with Tokido, like, cause Tokido was the, the higher, uh, the more marquee name. And this kid was like a dog. He was like Malcolm Brogdon in a good way. Like he had this animal. I'm not going to let you get anything done. I'm taking the challenge personally. And that jumped, you know, off the floor into my seat with me, if you will. And I could feel that. And so I wrote in my report that, uh, you know, I didn't love Tokido, but I really liked Malcolm Brogdon. I thought Malcolm Brogdon was probably, you know, the most pro-ready kid on the floor that night. So I think the live games are a lot easier than doing it on film. But if you only have film to go by, that's what you're going to make your bases on. And then when you bring them into your workout, you want to see – because game flow, like, you might only get four or five jump shots. Like, you might not have a – it might not be your job to shoot the ball 25 times. Right. But if you come to a workout and I already know you're a great defender and a great playmaker and then you just stroke the hell out of the ball from the three point line, well, that's a little bonus because I didn't, you didn't have the platform to do that. I didn't know you could do it. So Terry Rozier came into a workout for Louisville and he slashed and he did all this stuff at Louisville. And when he got in the workout, he barely missed a three. And I was like, geez, all right. Well, that's, this kid's going to be a player, you know, like, so that's what the workout does. It kind of, you know, it either confirms some stuff or puts it to bed or it may give you a little, give you a little more insight into what a kid does. And then you gotta get in, you really do have to get into the personal, um, side of things because, you know, these are relationships you build, right? This isn't just 
that you're introducing someone into your family. So you want to make sure that the background fits the culture, um, the personality of somebody that you can plug into there. And those are like the last pieces of the puzzle. I think the, the interview process, like getting to know a guy, that's the hardest part of the process. Yeah. And a lot of times it's the most critical because it's easy to watch a guy on film. It's easy to see how many threes he makes out of 25. But getting them in, they're all selling themselves. Sure. So you got to weed out the BS and say, all right, what is this guy all about? What is his true character? And try to get to the bottom of that. It's really hard to do. It's you, tricky. You know what I liked? Like, and you're absolutely right. But typically, I mean, the really good ones, they're not a whole lot of 18, 19 year old guys that are just completely like con men yet. Right. They're not polished. Right. So like you're watching them and I know when you've been coached up. Right. Like I know when your agents got you coached up and you're giving me a line of BS that you've given to eight other teams. I'm not going to say any names, but those guys were in the interview process where Absolutely. I was like this, he'd leave the room and I turned to the guys in and I'd be like, this guy's just, he's just foolish. <laughs> but, but then there were guys that really bared their soul. Um, like, um, what was, what's the kid's name that uh, Bobby Portis? Mm-hmm. I mean, just a fantastic interview. Like really down to earth, just gave you, you know, this is where I'm from. This is why I do this. Like this is, um, Willie Cauley Stein, another guy that was completely painted in one light. And then when you got to know him, like you could tell that there was just a genuine conversation being had, you know, those type of kids really speak to you in the interview process. All right. We're going to give you your toughest, uh, front office test ever right, right now because <laughs> we're going to do the Canel and Bell mock draft oh, right now. Go. And uh, we're going to post our teams up there on Twitter and right. on Instagram where you can follow us at Canel and Bell and we'll see whose team People think are better. Let's do right? it. All right, All right, you first. No, you go first. Damn it! Why, how the hell? Why? Because I want to see who you pick. Kind Am of I? Dra- I'm not drafting off a need by the team here. I'm drafting no, for me. This is just hey, we're drafting the best players available. All right. So my first pick, I'm going to go with Marvin Bagley the third. Whoa! Yeah. I'm wow. Curveball off the top. Out of Look, Marvin Bagley. We 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 talked about it a couple pods ago when you weren't here. Like he's been the best player in the class since he was damn <laughs> ten years old. Um. I like DeAndre Ayton, but Marvin Bagley had a great year. I think he was ACC player of the year and all that stuff. And he's got a motor and a hunger that you got to have at the next level. You have to have a motor. You got to have that energy level. And I think he's got that, um, a little it factor. DeAndre Ayton, I'll take a number two. Whoa, 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 whoa. How does the draft work? Wait, oh, wait a minute. I thought you wanted work? my top ten. My no, bad. We're no. drafting. Oh, good. You're, now I go. get to draft. Go. Now I get to go. My bad. Completely misunderstood. Flip-flop. That's how drafts work. Come on. All right, man. do it, buddy. We're drafted, right? But come on. I wasn't drafted. <laughs> It worked I out though. Along forever. Let's go. All right, I'm gonna take Aiden then, since you already gave it away. So Perfect. Two, he was a consensus number one. I think I'm getting a steal there too. Yeah. All right, yeah. The second pick overall. That's all right. First, who you, you got? I'm gonna take. Uh, if you take Aiden, I'll take Luka Doncic. Oh man. Yeah. That's the one I wanted. Well, you should have taken him at number two instead of talking all that stuff. Yeah. I um. <laughs> you. Won't. All right. So my number two, I'm gonna go with uh, Mo Bamba. He's been getting a lot of traction recently. I think he's a raw talent. I'm gonna be just towering over you too with the size Jesus. factor. That's a straight curveball. That's a curveball there because I have Mobamba as my seventh, my seventh talent on the board. So my number, my number four, I got my number one guy in Marvin Bagley. You took my number two guy. I get my number three guy, Luka Doncic. And then I feel really good about this draft. The third pick in Rajah Bell's mock draft. Who do you have? Michael Porter Jr. out of Missouri. You love him, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I do. He was the best player in the class until, like, he was the number one pick in this year's draft until he had back problems. You're talking big game, too. He's talking big game. Comparing himself he's, to he's big nice out there. If yeah, his no, body's right, he's nice. That's a big if. That's mm-hmm. a big if right there. All right, I'm going to go after and get my guy. This might be a reach, but I want it's him. not. Colin Sexton. Oh, that's a reach. Thing. Yeah. Oh, it is, yeah, huh? That's a reach. Colin Sexton from Alabama, no less. I'm reaching out to the SEC to get this guy. I think he's a killer. And for me, it was either him or Trey Young. Trey Young's got a nice jumper, but I think Colin Sexton's got that mojo. So can, that killer can we slow down for one second? Yeah. If I'm mean? in a real front office right now, do you know how excited I am right now? Because <laughs> I get to have my number one, three, four, and five player. Because with my next pick, I'm taking Trey Young. You are getting. Yeah. I knew it was going to be him, one or the other. All right, uh, so you got Trey Young. That kind of hurts a little bit. I'm going to go with uh, – oh, you got Bagley. I'll take the other Dookie. I'll go Wendell Carter, Jr. All right, Wendell Butcher Carter, Jr. Is. Yeah, because I now get my number six. <laughs> All right. Yes! Who are you taking? I'll take in – I'm going on pure raw talent and dad's genes, uh, Jaron Jackson, Jr. Man, he's, so he's projected really high – in a lot of these. So you got Jaron Jackson. I just slaughtered you on this draft. I need you no, to know you that. No, you did not. I absolutely Hold massacred Hold you. Hold on. Who, nobody's taking Mikael Bridges yet? No, you have him. All right. I'm t- <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sounds like you're pretty confident in that one. All right. We're going to post that on Twitter. Uh, check it out. You vote. You might think yours is good. I think right. mine is just What? So who'd you get? Who'd you get? Let's go. Right, run them down. Run them down. Andre Aiden, Mo Bamba, Colin Sexton, Wendell Carter Jr., and Mikael Bridges. And, and who'd I get? You got Marvin Bagley, Luka Doncic, Michael Porter Jr., Trey Young, and who was your fifth? I didn't write it down. Jaron Jackson. Jaron Jackson. 
And you, I so, like my chances. You, <laughs> take them all. Let's go. We're gonna have to do like an EA Sports. <laughs> give them the uh, give them the the, the ratings. Who has the better again, one? Say it again, Debo. Say it again. No, no, no. It ain't, it ain't Raja's team. All right, let's do a little. You have to see this. All right, because yeah. you have to see it. Uh, baseball's in full force right now. Bryce Harper has not been playing that great. He's hitting about two twelve. He's been struggling at the plate. So you know what he does? Cleans it up. Got it rid of the beard. And he was almost unrecognizable. You get so used to seeing a guy like with that thick of a beard and the thick locks up top. Just went, just cut it off. Just um, it. I want to, can we bring Hannah back in on this? Like, <laughs> yeah, what right. I like, stand? I'm from a I'm football a, player's perspective. You do anything you can to get to rid change of the mojo. Well, and I hear that. Like I was, I was superstitious too. Like if, if a pair of shoes don't work, like if you come out in a new pair of shoes, let's say Nike right. sent you some new shoes, you go out there in the first half. You miss six shots. Yeah. Got nothing to do with the shoes. Those things are gone. Oh, and absolutely. you're never putting them on again. Yeah. Golf, you're gonna do whatever. switching putters. Correct. Like anything you can do. So I'm with that. But let me ask, can I ask yeah, Hannah? Hannah. Right beard here, or, I got you. Beard or no beard for this dude? It doesn't matter. He's, it's, it's not working for <laughs> really? him anyway. Oh, not oh, working. Either way. Oh, okay. man. No. All right. I'm fair not enough. At all. I don't fair think, enough. I don't think it matters. I, everyone was talking about if it's him going to the Yankees and whatnot. And I just think, I just think he wanted the attention because that's what he does. That's Ooh, <laughs> that's that's a very good observation from right. Anna too because well he played. talked about that. He did this big expose. They like did a sit down with like a ten page spread in ESPN the magazine, and he really kind of talked about being a superstar. And he's like, why can't baseball players be as popular as the NBA players? Like, kind of saying I should be a bigger deal than uh, I am on the worldwide stage. So Bryce so loves some Bryce. On to something, Bryce yeah, loves no, some Bryce. Spot on on that one. Uh, I wonder if he can sing because this next dude I think has some some chords to him. You have to hear it. So you have to hear this one. This is Pirates pitcher Stephen Brault uh, sang the national anthem, and it wasn't that bad. Okay, have a listen. And here to perform our national anthem is Pirates pitcher Stephen Brault. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light What so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last leaf What? Yeah, I wouldn't have expected that to come right? out. I mean, not, it's not like he's top tier. Nah. But yet but it wasn't a mockery. Like, it was decent enough. There he were no cracks. A million dollars. I could not get out there and do it. I mean, I could do it. But it would sound awful. I couldn't more, fake it. You'd be more Carl Lewis. Would you be better than Carl Lewis? I think I would be better than Carl yeah. Lewis. I think that, but that's setting the bar really low. I'd be in between those two because I'd have some, like, note cracks and, like, yeah. some, like he was I think, smooth. I think I would go falsetto, like, try to do my own thing. Oh. Yeah, go with the high one. <laughs> We'll have to do that. We'll right. to compare uh, compare our, our national anthem right. singing voices. Read and react. All right, let's get to a little segment we call Read and React. All right, Baker Mayfield not looking like he's ready, apparently. Cleveland.com's Dan Lab writes, This is where I tell you that based on the six practices of OTAs and minicamp that were open to the media, Mayfield, in my opinion, did not look ready to compete with Taylor for the number one quarterback job. Duh! Like, this to me <laughs> is the most obvious like statement you could make as a writer and I'm not crushing the writer it's just a fact I think there are a lot of people got ahead of themselves probably myself included like you want to see a young quarterback get in there hey compete for the starting job Tyrod Taylor is an established veteran who just took the bills last year to the playoffs you can criticize him you know say hey maybe he's an elite quarterback but he's going to pick up the system much faster than right. Baker Mayfield I mean this is just kind of a uh stating the obvious type of statement it's a rookie like, yeah, exactly. reason, yeah, it's he's a, had six OTA practice, like six practices of OTAs and mini camps. Do you know how little body, like, he probably doesn't even have, if a playbook, it's like usually they do the installation according to days. So they have like an eight day course kind of that you take right. and you install over eight days. He probably only has like the first three days of the playbook in his brain so yeah. far. So there's going to be a learning curve there. That's still way too early in the game to even question that. To be expected. Yep. All right. So. Reports that Greg Popovich went to San Diego to meet Kawhi Leonard. Um, he's been scheduled for a few weeks. Not a direct result of last week's news. Apparently Kawhi asking to be traded to the Lakers. Um, what do you think about this? Too little, too late, or is this? What? So it was described as a quote good conversation. Right. And I, when I see that good, in, yeah. like in quotes and <laughs> air quotes, because. They probably didn't yell and scream at each other, but I bet it was awkward. Right. This has played out about as bad as it's could have for all of them, like all parties involved, because you've got an incredible player in Kawhi Leonard. You've got an incredible coach and a pretty good team around him that's getting older. And it just it fell apart by the wayside really, really fast. And I don't know if it's repairable. 
I don't know if it's reputable either. Um, I think that if anyone can get in there and kind of get him back on, it would be Greg Popovich. Unfortunately, they went out of bounds, in my opinion, by throwing him under the bus. Greg Popovich personally did that a little bit this year mm-hmm. by by making it like, you know, go ask the – like, you know, he was really um, – throwing him under the bus with the media, and then he had the team. You have to understand that if a team then comes out and starts throwing somebody under the bus, that's not just coming from the team. Like, that's come from somewhere else up top. Um, that's going to make it really hard for them to get him back on board there in, in San Antonio. When the report came out that Manu and others sat him down in the locker room, were like, we need you, we need you to suck it up and play, and Kawhi said no, and that came out publicly, yep. I was like, oh, it's done. Like, it's, it's not going to be – and even with Pop, but also in that locker room. Like, you lose the respect to your players, and it sounds like that's what happened – then I think he's got to move on somewhere else. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so Brazil suffers an AMR injury scare before the second game. Left Brazil training camp on Tuesday after stretching for for a ball and complaining about pain in his right ankle. He was fouled 10 times against Switzerland. Brazil plays Friday against Costa Rica. He's expected to play uh, and practice on Wednesday. He better play. Like, it was only a little ankle strain. You have to get out there. It's the World Cup. This is the time when if you go to the medical staff and you always have, like, a regular season versus postseason versus the World Cup – it's a different evaluation for me as a player. For sure. Saying, All right, where am I going to hurt it worse? Is this going to be career threatening? If the answer is no, I am playing no matter what it takes, especially on this stage. Like this stage is the, like this is your legacy defining stage. Like you yep. can do all that you want wherever he plays in the English Premier League or whatever. But what, for for country on the World Cup stage, now I don't like, know this. I don't know how good Costa Rica is. Like if they can win easily without him, but I don't know if there's such a good thing as or as if there's even such a thing exists in the World Cup, an easy match because we've seen upsets all over the place. First thing I thought of was like an NBA team, like a ref after a game where they feel like they don't get the calls because he got fouled like 10 times in the game. Right. And they say, like, first of all, like who's counting the 10 times he got fouled? Like, give right. me, give me a break. But like an, an NBA coach would go up to the podium and lobby, say somebody was banged up in an effort to maybe get more calls the next game. You think there's any gamesmanship there from Brazil side? Like right. lobbying for more Costa Rica calls? Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. All right. Let's move on. We'll go to a segment called move the needle. Move the needle. All right. And see if this moves the needle for you. I'm telling you, we got to get a graphic that, like has the needle move, move while we talk. Like, I'll... do we have any sound? Move yeah, we'll... the needle. <laughs> All right. VAR in the World Cup. Does this move the needle for you? Video assistant. Virtual referee. reality? Yes. <laughs> All right. Remote team, uh, one lead and three assistants have access to all 33 broadcast cameras in the stadium, 12 of which are in slow motion. In the knockout round, two additional slow-mo cams will be used, uh, added behind the goals. So it's been used already. There have yeah. been, uh. If it was virtual reality, that'd be awesome. Just the video assistants. The video assistant, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. virtual reality video assistants. That would be great. Right. Um, why haven't they been doing this longer in a sport where they've had a lot of trouble with corruption? When you're dealing specifically with FIFA, with fixed matches historically, right? You need to do everything you can to assure to your fans that the sport is legit. And why, if it's as easy as it is now, and as much money's out there that's invested in the World Cup, have have the video assistant replay? Why wouldn't you? Do so it? it's it's been used. I agree with you. It's yeah. it's used on goals, uh, penalties awarded or rescinded, red cards, mistaken identity, like big bigger issues in the game. Right. I'm not sure that I love it though. I got to be honest. I'm not sure that I love it when you're you're in the box. Uh, and they let a play go. Somebody takes one of those dives. It's a 50-50 call. Yeah. And then they go back and they award a penalty kick, which they did earlier in the, in the World Cup. I, I don't, I don't love that, but I do love the goal line technology. I yeah. love them trying to get it right I am there. I'm a traditionalist in all sports. Like I think I'd like, I don't mind the element of human error, but with goal scored, some of the stuff that's really blatantly obvious. Right. Just get it. It's usually pretty quick. Yeah. All right. Well, so we were talking about this this morning. You talked yeah. about it off the top. We have Jay-Z yep. named the creative director of Puma, yep. a company that's been relatively like out of the game since Vince Carter in 1998. Uh, he signed a 10-year deal with them in 88, had a decent shoe on the market, but only lasted two years, and Ann one scooped him up. Uh, another recognizable place, Walt Clyde Frazier. But they've just inked. Got the Clydes. Those things. Do you really? Oh, yeah. You got fat laces in them, like yeah. breakdancing laces? No, but they actually make a golf shoe, the Clyde. Like, yeah. Really? Yeah, it's pretty nice. Yeah. So, so how's, I mean, look, they got DeAndre Ayton, Marvin Bagley III. This moves um, the needle big time. Like, really? All the way on the other you side. You called this, though. The NFL is the copycat league, right? And so is the shoe game, apparently, because they looked at what Adidas did. Because Adidas was kind of fallen by the way. They were, you know, a distant third. but And I think Under Armour was even making some inroads. Uh, and Nike had always owned the game. They go out and they get Kanye. And I remember thinking at the time, like, what is that? What is that going to do? He comes in there, makes the Yeezys, like they become popular. All of a sudden, Adidas has this yeah. huge resurgence. And the one thing that Adidas did is they the retro, 
Like they've really sold that. Like yep. the old school, you know, three stripes are yeah. what made them. Stan Smith, Rod Lavers. Their old school classic looks too. So but I love it. He's smooth as heck. So this is what you, you read this right. I, I thought that today's generation would want to be on board with the newer, trendier stuff, but this is what DeAndre Ayton said. He said, Nike is Nike. Adidas is Adidas. I played in their circuits and stuff like that, but now it's a business. You don't want just product. You're not a kid anymore. You're really trying to get bank. That's about it. <laughs> so <laughs> apparently, like he had a, a couple of these guys had really good relationships uh, in high school with Nike, and they were given advantages that some other guys weren't. Like uh, Nike would invest in their sure. team, and they wouldn't be worthy of that type of endorsement. They're like, oh, he's going to be like, we're we're going to do that, assuming they get a long term deal. And all of a sudden, Nike's like, whoa, we got to pay these guys that much money. If now I know you're a Nike guy, yeah. obviously you're repping today. Sure. If there was another company, like how much does money over loyalty, brand loyalty? Like, because would you take a little bit less or would you go max out no matter what? I'm taking the most money. Um, it depends. Um, like I, I wore an one for a while and like I, they did like damage to my feet that I can't. Yes. It really hurt my feet. Like right. I still feel that today. So, um, I would have to be in there with the creative director. I have to make sure the shoe fit. I would have to do a deeper dive into what I was getting into than I than I did when I was younger. But when I was younger, I was going for the money. Whoever's throwing me, like if one company was throwing me half a million, right, and the other one was throwing me two hundred and fifty, I'm going half a million. Like, so when I when I was coming out, so my rookie year, it was like, all right, what shoe do you? And I wore Nike at Florida State. You don't get the choice, right? And it was really the, the NFL had a deal, and it was kind of messed up. Like you couldn't you could only have two shoe options. It was Nike or Reebok. Oh. Reebok was paying guys more money. But Nike was way cooler, was way more comfortable. Right. I took less money to stay with Nike because I was like, you know what? I like this brand better. And I was happy I did because the guys that wore Reebok hated them. Like, shoes would blow out on the field. Yeah. Like, crap. The, the product was garbage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they had guys like Keyshawn Johnson. He was Adidas. And he had to spat. He had to tape over the logos. And he couldn't have any logo even though he's wearing Adidas out in the field. I did that in college to not have to wear Adidas. I, just, <laughs> I wore Nike and taped over them. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, they don't have to worry about this in hockey, right? Like no. with, with with the skates and whatnot. So Barry Trotz, um, the Caps manager, he steps away uh, due to contract dispute just after winning the Stanley Cup. So he resigned just 11 days uh, after leading the Caps to the Stanley Cup. Had a clause in his contract. If he won the Cup, he could accept a two-year extension uh, with the $300,000 bump in salary. Was making only $1.5 million, so he'd bump up to one point eight with the raise. He deemed it still wasn't enough. 55 years old. He's coached the Predators previously for 17 seasons. What is wrong? There's something going on here with the uh, relationship between him and the front office or the players. My guess, I hopefully it's the front office because his salary, he's severely underpaid, especially if you compare him to some of the other leading coaches in the uh, NHL, which I wasn't aware of. But a guy like Mike Babcock of the Maple Leafs, six, 6.3 million. Uh, Quinneville for the Blackhawks, six million. Hopefully I said his name right. But you are, you'd at least want to be in that vicinity. And if you're just saying top five, that is double what he's making now. And obviously they couldn't iron out something long term or to get him up in that range. So good for him for walking. Yeah, I'm with you on that, bro. And I just won the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Like we, we work something right. out or I am out. Right. Although I didn't see him drinking and uh, out of the cup on the streets of DC at all in the celebration. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's just. You know, Barry Trotz. I'd love to see a coach out there with the players when they're going out there. Just trying. that would be like pretty fantastic. Stands out there. Yeah, that would be dope. Yep. All right, let's go to Debo for uh, picks, picks yeah. and props. I'm not loving these <laughs> picks and props. I'm falling big time. All right, Debo, what do you got? So we're about to welcome in Reed Forgrave, a Missouri grad. He's going to talk to us about Michael Porter Jr. The prep or pick he, we have here, Michael Porter Jr.'s draft position, which is currently set at six and a half. There were rumors that the Kings at number two, even a week ago, were interested in Porter. So six and a half, too low of a number for the talented yet not often seen freshman. In pure, purely in a vacuum, it's way too low because he is much higher than a six and a, like six and a half. Uh, but typically when you see guys slide on draft night, it's because of the stuff that he's got going on, which is all the uncertainty with his, with his health and his back. Um, and so I think, if I'm betting with my heart and the player I know he is, he's going to go higher than six and a half. But because because I don't know that medical history, I'm going to say he slides a little bit. I'm going to say seven, eight. Because he's a young buck and you can draft him this young and you have time for him to get healthy, yeah. I'm going to say he goes in the top six. I like that. He's a, I agree with Danny. Um, I don't a know polarizing how, one, the next one. Actual picks on our, like, 
This stuff is all so subjective. I want to bet on games. Come on, Nebo. All right. Uh, Portugal, Morocco. Portugal's <laughs> no, favored by two goals. We're going to switch right, things it. up I'll real quick. Take Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> all right. That's what I thought. Um, Grayson Allen, will he be selected in the first round? The odds are pretty close to even, so we're going to keep this simple. It's a yes or it's a no? Oh, that's your boy, Danny. What say you? I'm going to say yes. I think he still has some value there. He's played a lot of basketball. To your point, like you haven't seen much of Michael Porter Jr. You've seen a lot of body of work of Grayson Allen. It's very polarizing. But I think a team will be enticed with his athleticism and his three-point shooting ability. See, that's a tough one for me, too. I guess that's why it's even. They had I, I saw a mock uh, yesterday that they didn't, they didn't have Bruce Brown, the kid from Miami, who was possibly a lottery pick last year. They didn't have him in the first round this year. And I don't know all those kids towards the end of the first round, so I'm going to say no. Who would you rather? Because uh, I'm looking at think... this mock draft right here, Dante DiVincenzo from Villanova going in the first round. Would you rather have him or Grayson Allen? It's a good question. That's right. a tough one. Because he's like he's up here at 25 because he had this 41-inch vert right. because he showed all this stuff. And, and he's you know, a baby. I like Grayson Allen. I think I think Grayson Allen's a really good player. I think he's right. going to be decent on the and pro level. There's something about Duke, the training you get, obviously the impact of the former players, that you kind of know how to be a professional. You see that in some organizations yeah. rather than others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Dante DiVincenzo, the next Donovan Mitchell, you uh, are <laughs> here first. Grayson Allen will not go in the first round. The prop. So the amount of money that near NBA champ but notable sneaker champ P.J. Tucker spends on shoes this past year, which he said in a recent article was near $200,000 versus the combined price of all the suits in the green room tomorrow night. For the NBA draft, there's 19 players that have been invited. You know these companies hook them up head-to-toe, watches, everything. The combined price versus what P.J. Tucker spends on shoes in a given year. Very important distinction. You said head-to-toe. Does this include the the shoes, Bro, the watches? Everything is free, though. That's easy, right? <laughs> that is it's all free. So it's P.J. Tucker? Yeah. They better be if they're paying for suits. Bro, they got yeah. the wrong agent. Absolutely. What do you... You're, you're, you're talking what, about what it's the value of it though, what it's right. worth, not what they're paying for it. They'll have on a lot of gear. 19 guys. That's so approximately 20 guys. He spent 200,000. You're talking about 10 racks ahead. It won't be that it much. Won't. There'll be a couple guys down low. Now, who but didn't get the hookup. You're talking about get the top tier watches, Gucci. Well, now if you're going, if you're going that. watches, then it's hands down because they're going to be some 50. <laughs> like, yeah, gonna be, there's going to be a lot of bling on the, uh, on the runway. Are we going watches and whatnot, Debo? Well, then it's a slant. Then it's not even close. Let's exclude watches. Right. Did you already say <laughs> that? Am I like daydreaming in here? Um, shoes could add it up too, because they're gonna have some shoes all studded out, bedazzled. Yeah, bedazzled. <laughs> um, so PJ Tucker, a couple years ago, like he likes to go to in each NBA locker room you go to, yeah. like the trainer has shoes from like a decade in the back of guys who've come through there and they've left their shoes, they didn't use them. So one night somebody sent me something on Instagram where PJ Tucker had busted out one of my old pairs of Hirachi 2K4s. No way. And he was wearing them and he paid tribute to me up in like the corner bringing out Raja's old uh, 2K4s. It was pretty cool. He, he is a sneaker head for sure. Time now for your news in 90. The San Francisco Giants have had a giant problem with injuries to their pitching staff this season and a few unfortunate breaks. Last night, a self-inflicted break as San Francisco closer Hunter Strickland fractured his pitching hand after punching a door following his blown save and loss against the Marlins. Strickland will be out of action for at least six to eight weeks. Manny Machado is most likely on the move before July's deadline. It's the destination that's in question. MLB Network reports that the Diamondbacks have been in contact with the Orioles to explore a deal for one of the game's premier players and impending free agents. Machado is hitting 310 with 18 home runs for last place Baltimore this season. Over to the NBA draft, Luka Doncic is at the top of discussions for the Atlanta Hawks at number three, and that's if the Hawks don't trade the pick. That's according to a report from ESPN. Several teams, including the Mavericks at number five, are looking to move up per the report. And as we know, all eyes are on LeBron James with free agency just a couple weeks away. Rumors continue to pile on about where the King will land, and the conversation has sometimes involved Los Angeles, whether it's the Lakers or the Clippers. Now, according to a new report, if LeBron chooses the Lakers, then Lonzo Ball could be on the chopping block. That was your news in 90. Danny Raja, Lonzo out of L.A. wouldn't make LeVar too happy, am I right? I've always said that his dad is going to hurt his career, and I think you're going to see the first real significant blow this offseason. If, if LeBron goes to Cleveland. Uh, yeah, because I don't think LA. LeBron's going to L.A. if Lonzo Yeah, he doesn't want the circus there. That'd be unfortunate. Right. Kid, kid, kid's not built like that. The dad, I would have right, hoped that he'd, his fault. I would have hoped that he had gotten out of the way by now. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's welcome uh, Reed Forgrave to the, to the show. 
Uh, he's our college basketball and NBA writer here with CBSSports.com. Yeah. Reed, what's going on, man? Thanks for joining us. Not much, guys. I'm shocked at the idea that LeVar Ball is going to ruin something. It's <laughs> beyond my comprehension. Well, one thing he can't ruin is the NBA draft. It's Thursday night. You can catch it right here on CBS Sports HQ. Raj, I'll be breaking it down. I'm sure Reed will be on there as well. What uh, What do you think the prevailing storyline is going to be Friday when we wake up and if you start reading about the night itself, what will be the prevailing storyline? I think there's there has the potential to be a ton of trades, whether these are – Kawhi Leonard involved trades, whether these involve that Memphis pick at number four. There's these rumors that maybe Luka Doncic goes at three to the Hawks. These were reported last night. If that happens, I think it could be a great move for the Grizz to move off that number four pick. And then the Clippers have two picks at 12 and 13. Uh, personally, I'd love the Clippers to take uh, a flyer and a couple of young guys. I think they could really build for the future. But when you got two picks in the lottery – that's, uh, that's a lot of, uh, that's a lot of firepower to make some deals. So we'll see. I mean, you never know what the Kings are going to do. You never know what a lot of these teams are going to do. I feel that there's as much mystery around these top 10 picks with the exception of that number one overall pick that we've seen in a very long time in the NBA draft. Yeah. Reed, you talk about mystery and there's one guy in particular for me that's, it's kind of fascinating. It's Michael Porter Jr. because I watched him in high school and, you know, prior to the year, he was probably the number one pick in draft. And then, you know, obviously the un, the unfortunate back injury. But even as he's done his medical and had these workouts, there seems to be a lot of, um, you know, a lot of smoke screens as to where, where he's at and the way teams see him. Like, what's his status? Where, where do you think he lands? And do you think he winds up slipping, um, b- because of all of the, the injuries and, and the medical? Look, I, I was as high as you could get on Michael Porter Jr. I had him number one in my mock draft. I saw plenty of him in high school as well. And, like, the dude's legit. You get those mini Kevin Durant comparisons. I see him as a, a supersized Jason Tatum. But the rumors of, you know, maybe the Kings would take him. I mean, first of all, that would be the most Kings thing ever, right? Like, <laughs> take a huge risk on a guy just because you think he might be good someday. I don't think, and plenty of NBA folks have told me the same thing that he can go in the top five or maybe even six because of this red flag. He could certainly be the most talented person in this draft. Ten years from now, we can be like, how in the world did Michael Porter Jr. not go number one overall? Just like we'd say about Joel Embiid uh, when Wiggins and Jabari Parker both went before him. And I think this is a very similar situation. You have a guy who's near seven feet tall, obviously a very different player than Joel Embiid, had an injury that hampered his one-and-done season in college, and then a week before the draft, you have this other injury news that comes out. You don't want that stuff to come out that Michael Porter Jr. has to cancel and cancel a workout, can't get out of bed a week before the draft. That's something you don't want coming out. To me, uh, the reward starts outweighing the risk right around number seven where the Bulls are picking. I think you go anywhere from seven to ten, maybe even later if teams are really worried about this injury stuff. Uh, so, Reed, you've been higher on Mo Bamba than most. You have number two on your big board. What do you like so much about him? I think he has the highest ceiling in this draft. Uh, a lot of people would say DeAndre Ayton or Jaron Jackson Jr. or even Luka Doncic have a higher ceiling. I think Bamba has the highest ceiling. And several ca- scouts I've talked with agree with me because when you look at Bamba, you see a guy on the defensive end who already is Rigo Bear-like. I mean, has that potential of being a defensive player of the year type of guy. Just an incredible rim protector. He will have, have the longest wingspan in the NBA. Just natural instincts on blocking shots and, and altering shots. Uh, the question is, what can he be on the offensive end? And I sat in on some of those University of Texas practices, and I saw a guy who has a lot more to offer than we saw in the college game. I talked to Joel Embiid this winter about Bamba. He told me that he called up Bamba after Bamba Played against University of Kansas. Uh, Embiid's, I think it's called one and done alma mater. And what he said that he told Mo Bamba was, I dealt with the same spacing issues in college that you're dealing with right now. And things are going to change. Things are going to open up in the NBA for you. I saw Mo Bamba in practices making threes, making a ton of threes, making 12, 15 free throws in a row. He's great at passing out of double teams. His coaches absolutely rave about his basketball IQ, and he's such a mature young man. I, I couldn't be higher on his potential. I will I will absolutely admit that, look, there's a lot of risk there, uh, or at least there's some risk there. Will his body fill out? Does he have the drive to become 
not just an NBA player, but a great NBA player. But the ceiling is just so high with him. So, you, yeah, you talked about and you touched on his his defensive skill set um, and the way it translates. And a lot of times, like at least for my in my opinion, like last year Jason Tatum had an NBA offensive skill set ready to go. It's why I thought he was going to be um, the most impactful player coming out in that draft. Who do you see this year whose game offensively is NBA ready? I drop you into a situation and you can go out there and produce. Gosh, that's a great it's a great question because I do think you know there's question marks that go with almost all of these guys. Um, if I had to pick one, I'd probably pick DeAndre Ayton. Uh, there are plenty of defensive questions with Ayton, a lot having to do with IQ and effort. But on the offensive end, I mean, he's a unicorn. He's an athletic freak. He walks into a gym and you're like, who is this Greek god who has just graced us with his presence? <laughs> he's an absolute. He's an absolutely ridiculous physical specimen. Uh, he runs like a gazelle, can jump out of the gym, especially for a guy who's that big. And he has a lot of offensive skills. Uh, really smart rebounder. He can hit threes. He can score. I mean, maybe too many mid-range jumpers. Maybe you wish he'd get to the rim a little bit more. But, uh, I mean, look, look, I don't think he has the highest ceiling in this draft. I do think he has the highest floor. I mean, the guy is going to be a 20-10 and 10 guy in the NBA. Yeah, that's interesting. And there's another guy that I think when I watch film on him, he looks like his skill set should translate right away. Now, I have skepticism about his athletic ability. Uh, it's Luka Doncic and I, I, teams are all over the board. There seems to be a little skepticism lately. Like where, where are you at on Luka? I mean, obviously he's six eight and he can do a lot of things with the ball and he's played at a really high level over there. I don't think he's really fast twitch. Um, I think you got to have a little bit in that in the NBA. It might be overrated. Uh, what do you, where do you fall in that? Sure. I mean, let's see what happens once he gets into an NBA strength and conditioning program, right? Like right. Europe, if there's the biggest difference between European teams and NBA teams is the way that they train players physically. But man, his skill set, you're right. I think he might be the most, him or Aiton would be the most NBA ready because he just won MVP of a league that is the second best league in the world. It's better than high major college basketball. Uh, he won the ACB title just this week. And then he's flying from Spain today, I believe uh, here to New York for the, I'm sorry. To, yeah. To New York for the NBA draft. Uh, the dude can shoot it at a really high level. He can, he has incredible court vision. He's great in transition, but I, I think what stands out to him most to me is the confidence that he plays with. It's just like, he knows what's happening before anyone else on the court knows what's happening. Uh, and I think, Look, in today's NBA especially, the mind is such uh, an important skill set. We talk about athletes all the time. Obviously, that's important. But if you look at the best players in the NBA, uh, they're able to combine that athleticism with just brilliant basketball minds. And I think that's what Doncic, uh, that's where he stands out more than anybody in this entire draft. Is there a steal in this draft? Somebody overlooking maybe like a, a Malcolm Brogdon who fell all the way to the second round, but somebody outside of the lot, the, the lottery picks, is there a player that people are overlooking? Um, I don't think they're overlooking him anymore. Uh, a couple months ago, I would have said Dante DiVincenzo from Villanova. To me, he is the Donovan Mitchell of this draft. I don't think he's going to come out. He's going to be a franchise player immediately. Uh, it probably won't eventually become a franchise player, but just, you just look at, his athletic ceiling, it's absolutely ridiculous. The dude is, uh, he had a 42-inch vertical uh, at the combine, tied for first in the combine. He can fill it up. Uh, he can score all over the place. He plays really hard on defense. I think effort is often the most important part on defense. And he's a guy who knows his role. He was a six-man for a team that won a title, and he accepted and embraced that role. And then in the title game, he absolutely just broke out. I mean, another guy... If you want to talk a guy who has a little bit of a lower ceiling, but I think has just his his ceiling is here and his floor is right here. It's Jalen Brunson <laughs> for Villanova. He's going to be like either you know Fred VanVleet or a little bit better than Fred VanVleet. He's going to be just an awesome backup point guard who can fill in for starting duties in the NBA for ten or fifteen years. Very cool. Thanks, Reed, for joining us. Make sure you go follow him at Reed Forgrave on Twitter. That's at R-E-I-D-F-O-R-G-R-A-V-E on Twitter. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys.
All right, if you're a true NBA and college hoops fan, you have to get Roku streaming, uh, Roku streaming player. It's a device you plug into your TV to unlock thousands of live streaming and on-demand channels, including the free CBS Sports app. It's awesome if you have subscriptions to any of the professional sports league apps. They're all available on the Roku platform, so you can stream right to your TV. If you don't have premium subscriptions, Roku is an awesome way to catch your favorite local teams live with apps through many cable providers. Plus, of course, Roku has access to all the movies and TV shows you could want with more than 500,000 available across free and paid channels. So check them out. Roku streaming players starting at just $29.99 for the basic player, or you can spring for the higher-end players with stream, which stream in 4K with HDR. Father's Day just passed, but hey, what? If you missed a gift, you forgot to get them something, go get them a Roku uh, player because they're awesome gifts too. Visit Roku.com. That's R-O-K-U.com to learn more and start streaming Today. Socially relevant. Alright, let's do a little socially relevant. Debo's good at this one because he's all over social media. It runs our at Canel and Bell Twitter account, which is really entertaining. But, uh, Madden released their player ratings today, uh, for the NFL game. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Donald, and Antonio Brown, all 99s. You would expect that, right? Chops sure. in their league, right? But he's 99. I don't remember anyone ever being a 99. Yeah, right. Like, they where do you playing. go from above there? But if you're an all-time great, if you're the best player, like, I think there's no doubt about this one in the Eastern. Maybe Antonio Brown, I give a 98. That's, but you know who's not a 99? The GOAT, Tommy Tom Brady, Brady is a 97. Wow. That's, yeah, that's, be that's a little disrespectful. Rating. It's got to be the speed rating like that's bringing him down. It has to be. That drugs me down all the time, too. Quarterback. Yeah, you do. You have to, especially in a dual threat game. You know, like you got you got to be able to keep that up there. Uh, I thought 99s were like for – for like the Hall of Fame teams. Those like the guys are all like going to be Hall of Fame. When Those they get there. <laughs> yes. It's got to be there until then. They uh. got to cap it out at something. I don't have a problem with it. All right. What else we got for uh, topics, Debo, to finish us out here? Topics. So, Raja, I want you to give me that Rocky impersonation. <laughs> if I can change, you finish it for me. You, if we all could change, right? Was that it? It's close. You've done better in the past. Um, I feel like they might <laughs> be able to find spot. a role for you in Creed 2. Yesterday, we learned that Creed 2 will be released on November 21st. Ivan Drago, uh, Dolph Lundgren, he will reprise his role. Spoiler alert, back in Rocky 4, he killed Creed's dad. Are you guys excited for this Creed 2, November is he 21st? His son? Is he training, is Drago training his son? Like to we don't know. You don't know. Yes, gotta be yeah. Yes, to be yeah. Look, dude, I am fired. I love Rocky. Rocky's right. one of those movies. Anytime it comes on, I am watching the whole thing. No matter what time it is, it could be Can't three. I cannot. I've had enough Rocky. I'm good with a new <laughs> franchise to come out. Creed two though, a little bit different. I like it for the younger kids. They lost me with like Tommy Gunn. Like <laughs> when Rocky went, like that lost me. But when Creed came back, I thought it was a really good movie, and I'm I'm fired up. I'm in. All right. So ESPN released the name of 16 athletes that will appear in their annual body issue. We got Sue Bird, Saquon Barkley, 89-year-old Jerry Rice, Carl Anthony Towns. So back in your heyday, if they approached you, would you say yes? Um, I'd say <laughs> I would have yeah, hands I, down. I would have, but I would have been freaking out. Like I would have starved myself for a month. Like yeah, my body fat cut. situation might not have been. <laughs> I don't, not at the time you were playing, you were in good shape. Yeah, I probably would have done it. I yeah. mean, what do you, you, you I don't say no to Sports Illustrated. Exactly. Right. I wanted to, you know what's funny is the first, like they do guys that are kind of sports fringes and they'll do like different kind of people in the body issue. Yeah. When I saw the headline, it said Barkley to do it. I thought it was Charles, Charles Barkley. Barkley. I was like, hold on a second. It. What are they going to do with him? And then of course it was Saquon Barkley who makes a lot more sense. Right, right, right. <laughs> Portugal on the board. Double, double take. <laughs> Ooh, all right. Hey, I told you, Danny, Portugal yeah, first half over. Oh, and it was Ronaldo? Ronaldo oh, coming across yeah, with the diving head. Can we go back to overreaction, proper reaction? Ronaldo, better than Messi. Better than Messi. Uh, done. No back proper reaction. Oh, between segments. All right, so. I had full that jump. Was, that was pretty good vert. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, we did such a good job avoiding the ball family for, I would say, double-digit episodes, but now they're going to be mentioned twice in the same episode. Reality TV star, Leangelo Ball, definitely not future NBA draft pick Leangelo Ball. Uh, he was in a Foot Locker commercial, and that's a company that's done pretty good over the couple past couple of years, uh, making light of some more serious situations. And that's what they did with Jello Ball in something that was released the other day. Just like me after playing overseas. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. But Leangelo, tees like this must be expensive. No, Reggie. These tees are available for a one-time price of just $29.99. Wow! Now that's an absolute steal. 
sorry. Um, I, I didn't mean. I, I meant the price is so good it must be criminal. <laughs> So awkward, making fun of his little experience to China where he was uh, suspended and eventually left UCLA. I don't have any problem with this, do you? That, no. That dude. was like your boy D'Angelo Russell. Remember, he came out. Was it him or Swaggy P? Who got the better end of that? I think it was Swaggy. Wasn't it Nick Young well, that had the commercial? No, oh, D'Angelo. We threw the pool out of the hotel yeah. room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, um, but look, you're getting that paper, man. Like He's right. got money. Yeah. You got to have that. You're He's a pro now. And I believe that was Foot Locker, too. So yeah. Foot Locker is a little edgy right mm-hmm. now. I say go with Yeah. If the, the faster you can make people laugh about it, the faster it, they'll forget. Correct. <laughs> All right. So four words you never want to hear. We're out of beer. That seems to be a problem in Russia and specifically Moscow during the World Cup. Uh, soccer fans are known to drink a lot. I guess they didn't anticipate this. Just really poor planning on the part of bars and stadiums. Uh, because they're running out of beer. It's official. <laughs> like there's, it's unacceptable. There's, there's no way that it cannot, it can't happen. Here's what they're not running out of vodka. Yeah. And that was what I had Thomas Rongin on Friday. We did our World Cup special. I was like, what's the beverage of choice? And he's like, vodka, no doubt. But if you're Russia and you know you're hosting an entire world, you, you gotta have, you gotta have supplies in reserve in the back to make sure that doesn't happen. Dude, forgive my geography ignorance, but like, aren't, you're like in the middle of, like, you could go to like any country there yes. in Europe, get yourself some beer brought in. Yeah, bro. Like, exactly. that's, it's unacceptable, man. Yeah, you gotta have brew. That's a, an inexcusable. All right. So the last one, how about this from the UFC fighter Craig White? He got a late call last month to be a replacement, uh, but he needed to cut massive weight in order to make weight for this fight. He detailed that cut in taking just 600 calories a day, taking dozens of these hot baths that the fighters do. He went from 216 to weigh in at 171 in the span oh. of just two weeks. That's not no, not healthy at all. That can't did be. you have weight that you had to make in the NBA? No, hell no. So I did, which I thought was crazy. Like I'm a quarterback. Like yeah. I'm not a guy that had you to had worry to about it. So 216 was my weight. And what sucked was having to make weight. So you'd come in there and you get it the Friday. Every Friday was yeah. the weight day. And they can find you. The NFL can find you. Up today's rate is 650 bucks per pound. Really? And it adds up really fast. You're three pounds overweight. You're over 19, 20, you know, almost 2000 bucks. That's fast. At the time it was 200 bucks. I'm like, this is nuts. I don't want to give that money out of my paycheck. So the, the, regardless the, of your performance, Danny, that you had yeah, to make a weight. Like I was a backup, so I never yeah. played. Like, but as long as you, like, there's just, it was the weight. They had you on there. So the funniest thing you'd ever see is Friday. So guys would get in there, let's say practice meeting start at nine. The linemen, cause they had troubles with it. They would get in there about six in the morning. They'd get on the scale and they'd see if they make it. And if they could, if they didn't make it, the steam room was so jam packed, like it was just like a cattle call. Water out. Yes, like all ran on in there, and they would just steam it out. Yeah. <laughs> so that practice, Friday's practice, were always the worst because those guys would be falling out left and right, yeah. and they'd be exhausted. And it wasn't even that hard of a practice. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, definitely uh, not fun to be overweight in that one. I think that's a wrap for us, Debo. Is that all we got? All right, good stuff uh, from him. Get thanks to Reed Forgray for joining us too. The NBA draft. Make sure you check out our draft picks. Raja and I's mock. Oh, dude, top vote. ten. You don't really need on to our vote because it's pretty. Make sure you go do that at Canel and Bell on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for checking us out. Vote for my team. We're the better one, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs>